I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. We're here this evening for our recruiting special, and we have two special guests tonight. We have Joshua Schneider, my son, and one of the experts that, well, recruiting experts, he won't say that he's not an expert, but he's a catalog. And on the on the line from farther in Southside, Virginia, we have... Uh, Ray Matthews, who's an old friend of Gobbler Country, and Ray is really into Virginia Tech recruiting and the status of what's going on with a lot of the recruits, past and present, and also a really great source and a really great friend to, to the site and now to the show. So, Ray, how you doing this evening? Doing pretty good, man. Watch yourself. Yeah, we're doing pretty well. Hey, Josh, check in. I'm doing all right. Just... uh Long day out in the out in the field and uh, running around like crazy, uh, sending out everything to people. So just a busy, busy, busy day. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy here. Even though it was a day off, they're tearing off my roof and putting a new roof on. So it's been loud. Well, other than that, there's another loud going on, and that's our our continued series about recruiting. And one of the things that Josh and Ray would like to talk about today is uh, some of the current recruiting situation and then some of the future activities that that we're going to be looking at as far as what we're targeting and maybe where where Virginia Tech is starting to look or trying to look or opening doors for the the next couple of classes down the road. Remember, this all starts back in freshman year of high school when scouting letters get sent out to all of the all the from all the different high school uh, football coaches to all of their contacts in the college, and and it kind of starts the ball rolling with parental permission and that kind of stuff. So I'm going to turn it over to Josh and Ray at this point, and we're going to take a take a really good look at what the present condition is for Tech's recruiting for this year and how early signing day might shape up. So um, looking at the current class, obviously it's not what Tech fans are used to. Um, There's a lot of lower-rated, under-the-radar guys in this class. But looking at those guys deeply watching film, there's not too many in this class that I wouldn't have taken on any other year. You've got guys like Tyree Saunders and – Keontae Jenkins, that are really good athletes out of Florida. Stephen Sings is a really good speed rush guy for defensive end. More of a of a of a prototypical type, but Foster defensive end. 
probably needs to put on some weight, as most high schoolers do. But uh, he's a guy that I really like uh, for the future of the defensive line. Darrell Bailey was kind of a surprise commitment, and he's another guy I think can play quite a few positions, uh, defensive end, defensive tackle, offensive tackle. Lakeem Rudolph is one, can play wide receiver, H-back, safety. I'd be interested to putting him at whip linebacker as well. So there's a lot of guys in this class that I think are a little underappreciated. And I always tell Josh, it's too early to worry about rankings. A lot of these guys are shoot up the rankings. Some guys are, are drop dead in the rankings. Usually around that early signing period is when I start to take the rankings pretty serious, though. Uh, and Ray's correct. A lot of times, especially when you're a school like Virginia Tech, where you do end up making hay on some of the medium to lower end recruits, which, you know, for better or for worse, things will improve and go up and adjust as uh, signing days get closer. The The recruiting services generally don't put in huge ratings adjustments until after the senior season is completed. So. On top of that, I don't think that any of these guys, and Ray, correct me if I'm wrong, are like major camp guys. And a lot of times those recruiting rankings really have to do with who's actually showing up at whatever camp Rivals is running, whatever camp ESPN is running, whatever camp whoever's affiliated with 24-7 runs. And if these guys aren't camping, they're not going to get their name out there or get their uh, rankings adjusted based on that. And that's a huge part of the politics of how recruiting actually goes down is that you have these huge combines of these kids showing up at these recruiting centers and are playing in shorts and t-shirts against each other. And it's not always the most reliable way to get information, but that's one of the ways to get information. And probably the one where the, these scouts that run these third-party services are actually at and watching. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Um, there's been the guys in each of the last three classes that probably held their rankings back because they didn't do camps. Um, the number one guy, uh, in my opinion, was Trey Turner. He's probably should have been a lot to be a top 100 player, probably closer to the top 50 when healthy. I think in, watch- in the end, in the end, somebody will note that he was probably should have been a four star. Well, he was a four-star across the board. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, a solid, legitimate four-star that that people thought of, and maybe even toward five, you know, four and a half. I think Trey Turner, yeah. healthy, is going to be amazing. Yeah, um, I mean, he 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 injured his shoulder uh, early his senior year, and that really held back the rankings as far as senior film came. But I mean, if he did camp season, there's there's no way he's not in the top one hundred. I mean, um, the kid could – there wasn't a DB in the country uh, his his senior year that was just going to lock him down for 10 reps. It just wasn't happening. He's got the speed. He had the length. He had the size. Um, he had the knowledge, ran great routes, really good hands. But he was focused on AAU basketball, which a lot of that guys – me being familiar with that region, a lot of guys in that region do football and basketball. The CP3 um, AAU team is really big for a lot of college football players out of that region. And that was that was Trey's big focus that summer. And, I mean, I don't blame kids, and I hate the sites hold kids back because they don't want to count or they have other priorities. But that's the way the recruiting game goes. You have to pay to go to these camps. Camps make money, and when they're making money, they feel generous about ratings. 
So now we've established there's a business. And as we near the first part of this segment, so what, what, what are the numbers we're looking at, Josh? Your numbers guy, your stat boy, what's the, what, what, are, what are we looking at total number of scholarship offers across the board for this class? Well, offers, okay, offers are something that I, I pay attention to who they're offering barely, and that's only because, and Ray will attest to this, you hear or see that a guy gets an offer, you never, ever know what offers actually a committable offer or not. A lot of that goes on behind the scenes because these colleges can throw out whatever they want to do. But basically when someone calls them up and says, Hey, I'd love to commit to you. They basically say, well, you got to camp first or well, hold on that for right now. It's one of those things where there's a lot of, of disingenuous stuff that happens behind the scenes where Alabama might offer some four-star kid, but they're waiting on like three or four, five stars before they really take this kid's commitment. And maybe even two or three other four stars that they like more than this kid. So it's it's something that right now I can tell you Virginia Tech's got a slot as it stands for maybe 10 or 11 kids. And that's about it. There's probably okay. going to be attrition. There's probably going to be, I would say, 16 spots just roughly and right now we have 12 in our class and we'll see how many of those hold on and we'll see if we add anyone else well we have we have 11 in the class right now well it's 12 uh 24 7 tracks 12 at the moment but ray you can probably elaborate a little bit more jihad carter right yes it still has jihad carter who was a recruit who, who committed last year but he had to go to a prep school for a year yeah. I think it was uh, grades, Ray. Yeah, yeah, but but you're right about the attrition thing. Um, now, now last season for Virginia Tech was it the norm? It was just one of those things where a lot of kids either didn't fit in or didn't feel appreciated or wanted better, wanted more playing time. There were heads, there were buttons, button. Um, obviously, there was a big big emphasis this all season with the team on coming together more, being more of a family, having each other's backs, uh, you know, integrity, taking responsibility of, of doing your job. So the, the attrition last year won't happen this year, but you can always count from anywhere to three to five players every year that just times run up or got out recruited. You know, we can all think of a few guys. I won't say names, but I mean, there's, VT will definitely have five or six open spots to add to this class next season. Right. And right now the problem is where are those guys going to come from? I, me and you talked about this before, and it's the one thing why I'm not really freaking out about recruiting. But Fuente does a really, really clever job of just closing in a signing day with just a big bang. Whether it was Doug Nestor last year who really just – I don't think, and even Nestor, those two guys, those two offensive linemen are probably the biggest gets of last of, of last recruiting season. The other one being Brian Hudson, who's Brian Hudson was the other one. Yeah, well, the, they're the biggest gets that are playing, but I think Chaos once he's he's healthy, and I think I'm saying his last name right, but once he's healthy, I think he'll be the still of the class, and he was another one of those guys that went to the satellite camp out in Richmond 
And the coaches fell in love and immediately got him on campus and, and got his commitment. And he stayed pretty firm. Um, and I, I was telling Josh, there was rumors that had UVA offered first, he was probably going to UVA. And UVA was fooling around, recruiting Canada, and BT swoops in and takes another LC Bird kid. And I think he's going to work out really well once he gets healthy. Well, now here's the deal. Let's take a look at we, – we know that we're a lot healthier this year than we were – than we thought and, and where a lot of people were expecting. And Fuente is doing a lot better job than people are giving him credit for. Where do we see the next couple of years? Are, you know, and this is, this is more style points, Ray. This is like, do, do we think we're going to build a little momentum in, back in, in Tidewater? Or are we going to get a little bit more momentum in, in, inside of Virginia? Or is he still going to be farming you know, out? I mean, I saw kids on the sideline from New Jersey, from high school in New Jersey. So Yeah, VT is going to always be a, a very luxurious place for out-of-state kids because they just appreciate the history of, of Virginia Tech. Uh, kids still remember Michael Vick. Everyone knows Bam Bam Cam. Everyone knows D'Angelo Hall. You know, guys like that still mean something to kids coming up. And out-of-state kids in particular really, really appreciate it. Guys like Quincy Patterson, who grew up just in love with Michael Vick. You know, stuff like that's not going to change. In-state, though, and I'll try to watch what I say, and me and Josh have conversations about this, but I think in-state kids take Virginia Tech offer for granted. They don't really understand what that offer means, particularly the defensive guys in-state. I mean, a chance to play for Bud Foster and the Lunchfield defense and everything that that stood for for the last 32 years, and I don't think guys really appreciate what Virginia Tech has done. I mean, a lot of these high school football programs don't exist without Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech raised the stakes for not just college football in state, but high school football as well. Without a question, we got to get an ace recruiter in here. We got to get a guy just a stud recruiter that really relates. Zahn's is probably as close as we got, and I love Zahn. But you got to remember, he was coaching at ODU for only a few years before he came to Tech. Even years now, you know, he, he's still learning on the job, and he's still finding his way. Now, he's landed some really, really good recruits. Devin Hunter, you look at Lasita Smith out of Georgia. Jalen Holston was a pretty good recruit coming out of Georgia. You know, he, he's, he's done a good job. Tavion Robinson out of the 757. Uh, Robinson he, looks like a real steal from the past class. And I know he, that you're, you're, you're hyping up payout, but – at least right, right now, payout's the unknown. Robinson's on the field and doing ridiculous stuff after transitioning from quarterback in just one year. So props he's, to him. Definitely doing a lot more than I thought he would at this point. And that's only because I really, really had high hopes for DeWan Ellis to kind of make it work at wide receiver. I thought his speed maybe could have kept Robinson to a four-game limit, but Robinson well, definitely deserves to be on the field. Well, and here's the thing. It's like Ellis was a three-slash-four-star recruit, and he had a, a Nike Spark score somewhere in, like, the 120s, which is pretty ridiculous. But, obviously, those numbers aren't always everything. And he wanted to be a quarterback. He didn't end up being a quarterback, and it just didn't work out. And now I think he's back at Maryland, isn't he, Ray? Yeah, yeah. And 
Which is interesting because Maryland has become the island of Virginia Tech refugees. Well, yeah, not in the that. name of hey, guys, in the name of refugees, I want to pick this up at the when we pick up this at the, after the break. But we need to we need to pay the bills. Once we get the bills paid, we're going to come back and talk about because you guys are giving us some really good information and a lot a lot of people a lot of hope. So let's 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 pick it up when we come back from our break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we're back. Let's uh, we we just were talking in general. Ray and Josh were punting it back and forth, which is just really interesting. Just to sit here and to listen, the message that everybody needs to get from this: our recruiting is doing a good job. As Josh brought up in our last show, Justin Fuente has now suddenly got guys that are sticking. We have people that are actually being recruited and playing on the field. Right. It's just that they're all young and inexperienced. On a normal, non-challenged system, they'd be on the field in two years. Now they're having to take the field as true freshmen. That depends on what program you're talking about. And this is the thing that really irritates me a little with Tech fans, because there are a lot of Tech fans that says, oh, yeah, well, the young kid's playing good, but they shouldn't have to be playing. Well, there's just some kids that are really, really hard to say no to you know you go back to Tim Settle it was it was extremely hard for them to red shirt Tim Settle that first year and be honest if he comes in 10 15 pounds lighter he, he's playing that 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 true freshman season it was hard for them to red shirt Ricky Walker his, his situation yeah it was a sophomore season but then again yeah, yeah. what's crazy is is that they they were trying to red shirt these kids and eventually now it piles down to, hey, guess what? We have no defensive tackle depth because that is one well, place. That came down to is Timmy being good enough to be an NFL defensive tackle as a, as a redshirt sophomore. That didn't really go down to, oh, we didn't have defensive tackles. Well, and, it, does, and the, it does come down to one thing, right? And that's they didn't do a really particularly great job at recruiting replacements for that. Yeah, and that's and that's been something I want to make this statement. The problem Fuente's having is the same problem Frank Beamer's had, and it's not really the fault of either head coach. It's more of the the athletic department's got to get those guys some real legit help. But, you know, you, you look at UVA staff, and it's twice the size of Virginia Tech, which is ridiculous, considering how much more serious college football is at Virginia Tech than it is at UVA. UNC's got a really, really good recruiting staff outside of the, the nine assistant coaches. And, and that recruiting staff is the staff that goes out to these combines, that runs and looks at all the scout tape, 
that handles all of these kids and their families and everything. They do all sorts well, of stuff. <laughs> technically speaking, they technically can't go out to the to the camps and things. Uh-huh. Uh, they're more of they they do the behind the scenes work. They're reaching out. They're sending edits on Twitter. They're really really huge doing big events like the spring game and the summer barbecue where you've got 100 to 200 kids on campus and you need those extra hands, those extra eyes, that extra attention to make sure every kid knows what it means to be in Virginia Tech. Every kid knows their love, knows they're wanted, knows that they were brought here for a reason. Hey, guys, I tell you one thing. It's too bad because I'm on the field when this is all going on and all these kids are coming through the tunnel and some of them reach up and touch the hokey stone and read and 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 then they're on the sideline while the guys are warming up and and you know people are taking pictures and and you're taking pictures of the crowd and and you're and you're seeing who's interesting like i said i saw these tags these kids from new high school in new jersey their eyes are like big it's like you'd love to have the contract right there go here kids sign this <laughs> because they'd be there in a second yeah well and and here's the other thing and 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 let's. I want to circle back to one thing that Ray said, where a lot of these Virginia kids aren't necessarily like totally sold on the program, or don't understand what Virginia Tech means. Part of it is also that a lot of these kids come in from, and Virginia is the ultimate, I think, transplant state. And I I kind of went over this early in earlier segments. You've got a lot of kids where, hey, this kid's rated four stars. Why is he not considering Virginia Tech at all? Well, that kid's from Canada. And he came in here to Episcopal, um, and I'm talking about like Jonathan Sutherland, who's currently playing for Penn State, and they want to go further north, back toward where they came, where they came from. They're only in Virginia because of a byproduct of some prep program, or their parents came down here for whatever reason. Yeah, there, there's a lot of military recruits from the beach. Cameron Kelly um, was one that we had last year, and. I mean, there was a reason. It was the reason I really didn't take his commitment serious, because Virginia's not home to him. He's he's a military kid. His family is 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 military based, and a lot of those kids just have family in so many different places that it doesn't really there's not really a home state, and and a lot of those kids want to be closer to their original family, you know, and that's a reason why a lot of in-state kids do leave the state, and I don't think Tech fans understand how hard that is to preach staying home. And, and, and you got two of those areas, Ray, remember, because you got uh, up in Northern Virginia, too, is exactly the same thing. You got all the government and and military kids up uh, from there, and those are all high school age kids. I know I was one of them. And then, of course, Tidewater, because I was also from Tidewater, and yeah, that that, that that's exactly true. Some of us stuck, you know, some of us adopted Virginia as home because it's a place we lived the longest. But, yeah, some right. of those kids are very transient, and they're there for the three years that their dad's stationed at, at Oceana or they're stationed over at uh, at Norfolk Naval Yard or, you know, one of the other facilities. And, and then, hey, they're gone. You know, they get they get orders and they're out. So, yeah, that. How many different schools that 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 are directly related to that are loaded with military kids? And I mean, all through Hampton, Newport News, down on on the south on the south bank of the, of the James, down you know Suffolk and 
Nanseman and, and Norfolk and and Virginia Beach and Chesapeake and all that the whole area down there. It's all military. It's well, in, in one the, form or another. The other problem Virginia Tech does have is that it, and and Ray, I'm sure you're familiar with Episcopal and Woodbury Forest and a couple of the other schools in Northern Virginia, like Broad Run and everything, where these 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 guys have these really highly rated kids, where because they they just never look at Virginia Tech, and that's because those are fancy prep schools, and up here in Northern Virginia, Virginia Tech's still the hick school. It's still the it's still the I go down there and get my ag degree, or I go down there and get my basic engineering degree. It doesn't have the academic ring that a lot of the other schools like UVA have. And then if you've got someone that it's like, okay, I could go to Virginia Tech for football, or if I'm really good at football, if Virginia Tech doesn't already have that draw for me, well, I'm just going to go to Penn State or Alabama, which are two bigger name programs than Virginia Tech is. It's funny. I think Penn State's closer to Northern Virginia it is. almost than, 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 than Tech is. So and that hurts. The other big issue is, I mean, outside of Greensboro and Charlotte that have a ton of talent, VT is five hours away from three to three to five hours away from any other big recruiting area, whether it's Nova, Richmond, the seven five seven, DC, Maryland. Um, I mean, Even it's really hard to to really get got kids to drive five hours every Saturday to come take a Virginia Tech visit. Yeah, well, it is. It, 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 it from those of us that have done it. Uh, for for a lot of years, <laughs> uh, the the big thing that that we we're looking at is, and it's something that everybody needs to know. The future's not terrible. It's not unbright, but it's a lot of hard work. And a lot of the old traditional recruiting areas, unless somebody comes up with an angle and raise right, they need a recruiter. They need somebody who's going to who's who's going to put on. They need an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, somebody who's got the the sway to take over from like uh, Foster and and really sell the interior line and and sell. It, we need that to get the the energy for what Virginia Tech football is about back into our critical recruiting areas around Richmond, around you know in in Tidewater. Uh, you know, up in Northern Virginia, especially in our old neck of the woods in Northern Virginia, which is Prince William County, um, some of the big kids Loudon, in the Northern Loudon, Valley, Fairfax. Loudoun County. Well, there, there are a lot of kids that did get skipped over up there. And, and like UVA is the big school up there. If you go to a Coles and look for with, with their stock and it's UVA stuff. Ray, here's the other thing that I continually contest. And that is for whatever good Foster has done the program, especially in terms of like DBs and everything that you used to produce. The fact that over the years, Virginia Tech's produced very minimal amounts of defensive line talent and linebacker talent that have stuck in the NFL has really hurt recruiting on the back end. Yeah, but not just that. And and this again goes to the problems Virginia Tech has, has happened way before Wednesday. Back when VT was rolling, from the, the Brian Randalls, the Marcus Dix, Sean Glennon, Tyrod Taylor, Logan Thomas's first year, where you could just you would picture Virginia Tech and you could see anywhere from ten to ten, twelve wins and they were just ACC titles, coastal division titles, 
Big Six Bowl games. Virginia Tech never took advantage of that momentum and really stunk it, stick just stuck it to recruiting and just shut down those top tier end state studs. There's a long list. And Josh, you know I've been I've been in recruiting probably hard since two thousand seven. And you go back to a guy like Deshaun Hand, Josh Sweat, Derek Natty, Andrew Brown, Quinn Blandon, Derek Brown, Levante Taylor. You look at it, um just all these big time in state studs, Justin Hunter, Jared Askew, recently, Ricky Slade, Devin Ford. It's just you, you can't get those top tier kids. You look at the last five years, Devin Hunter's all we got to show for it. You're talking about well, just and, and it's and, and here's the thing, Ray. The problem is is that and, and I kind of talked on this in an earlier episode. When Virginia Tech raised the profile of the state, it almost was in a way to the its eventual detriment because it proved that you could win with Virginia-based talent. And then all of these teams that have higher historical profiles, more money, and better NFL profiles all decided, oh, wait, if we paid attention to Virginia, we can come in and beat the pants off of these guys because of the fact that we can roll out way more in terms of what we can offer. Like, we were second place in how many of those kids, but we got beat out by a big program like Penn State or a big program well, like Florida State. I want to tell fans a secret, and you you, you know this. BT wasn't second place for those kids. It was – listen, kids can say what they want, but it was – Yeah, was bull- probably. It was, I'll, I'll show respect to the in-state guys because I'll get a bunch of follows from Tech. I'll get a bunch of likes. They'll raise my profile, and I'll have all this big showing for when I make this big commitment. But those kids, there's, there's no way you're number two for that many in-state kids, and especially when you go to the fact. Go back, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll use this one as an example. Go back to Devin Ford. Ohio State was the leader. He took his official visit there. He took his official visit to Virginia Tech. Ohio State was still the leader until they picked up another running back recruit. And then, boom, Penn State all of a sudden lands him on signing, on, on his commitment day. There's too many kids to have leaders. And then as soon as they drop the leader, there's another leader that just randomly jumps Tech, and Tech's still sitting there at the number two spot. It's Yeah, it's, it's a frustrating thing. And, and to wrap this up, this is, this is the main challenge for recruiting. And that is everybody wants to recruit. Everybody says we need to go out and recruit better players. We need to get, well, ultimately these kids are free agents and these kids are going to decide where to go based on the offers that they have and what they're feeling at that particular point in time. And some of them change their mind a couple of times, but largely they are free agents. They are able to choose out of whoever is uh, whomever is offered them any particular uh, amount of uh, of of package you know some packages are bigger than others and you know some schools have have more things that that are included especially if you're out of state so so and the other thing that 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 really comes up is what you guys both of you have mentioned it is the pro prospect Let's put it this way. And Ray, I mean, you're free to shoot me down, dad. You're free to shoot me down. As things sit, 
assuming that, and, and the status quo never really holds, but assuming that the status quo holds for at least another two, three, four, five, six, seven years, I can count off the number of teams that have the profile, the money, the recruiting prowess, and the history and the the market appeal to get into the playoff on two hands at most. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, and and money's the big thing. And this is – me and Josh had this conversation the other night. Tech fans are very, very ignorant when it comes to how they deal with losses and success. When Tech's winning, you don't give. If you don't give, Tech can't continue to make a, have a huge impact in recruiting and making sure you hire good coaches and making sure you keep good coaches because you can afford to pay them more. And then when you're losing, it's the same thing. I don't think Tech fans understand there's a $15 million buyout. There's a $15 million buyout that says he's going to be here next year because Tech fans don't understand the logic of giving and donating to the program. We don't have any million-dollar donors that's just going to write a $15 million check. Yeah, we we get the occasional one guy writing a million or $2 million because it's cheap to build and – or relatively cheap to build in Blacksburg, and we've got some successful alumni. But it's not like we're going to have some crazy big donor or group of donors that are going to come down and immediately free us of that that liability. Yeah, the, the chairman of the super secret XYZ corporation who graduated, uh, you know, with his butt on fire from engineering uh, in 1972, but made a fortune and nobody ever knew about it, suddenly comes out of the woodwork and drops 20, you know, $20 million check on, on the athletic department. It isn't going to happen. No. And, and this is a, another thing that's really, really held us back. This BS with the relationship with the numbs been bombed since Frank left, it's a bunch of BS. Jim Weaver never did anything for the alumni. Frank Beamer never done anything for the alumni. And the, the fact that the alumni say we don't feel welcome, this is home. You shouldn't have to feel welcome. You shouldn't have to be called and begged to bring your ass to a game and help the program you help build. Show up. They're not going to tell you, no, no thanks. No, no thanks, you know, don't come or, you know, we got something better to do. Knock your, 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 your Take your hand, knock on the door to the indoor facility, and I guarantee you they're going to welcome you with open arms. But the fact that we've had so many big-time NFL players not give a dime, it's ridiculous. And I get into it all the time. Like, you guys don't do anything for the program. Like, you want to say you had a free education. You played the game that you loved for four years. You were coached up. Plenty of you guys were sent to the league. Not one dime from a former player, ever. Or at the very least, nothing large and public. We don't know what they do in, like, private or behind yeah, the scenes. I mean, you had, little, you had little things guys gave. But, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Think about all the money that Cam Chancellor, uh, Michael Vick, D'Angelo Hall, Bruce. Well, Smith. let's let's put let's put Michael Vick on the side because there was that whole bankruptcy thing. So he made his money back. He did. Go, I he mean, good time he did. He made a, a a nice little amount, and then he got a nice little Fox job. And this this isn't to call out anyone specific, but it is. I mean, just think about how many players we've had in the league for a lot of years, and y'all want to complain because. 
Tech doesn't want to break off a section for you that paying fans are going to come and see? Well, I don't know. I see them on the sideline quite often. They're welcomed yeah, with open arms all the time. To the, to the Bruce is on the sideline. I run into Bruce Smith like practically all the time. He's he's like I, I, he's and still he owns like a quarter of Blacksburg at this point in time. You know, yeah. so so there are some guys that are contributing, but not enough. I'd like to see well, more of them come back. I, I, and they need to come back and say, and, and you're right, Ray, they need to come back and, and make themselves available. Make themselves say, hey, look, hey, why don't we go out to Hokie Village and have sign, sign autographs at Hokie well, Village? Some of them do. I, you, see, you see some people run through at the spring game. You see some people run through at homecoming. Well, you have a lot of, a lot of the guys that are in the league now, Terrell, Tremaine, Timmy, Strowman, Adonis. Isaiah's Robert. been back a couple times. Joey Joey Sly came back. Yeah, Tyrod's always tweeting about Tech. Vic was doing it for a while, but you just think about it. Since Cam Chancellor's retired, have you heard anything about him at Virginia Tech? He was there for a couple of days, He uh, for, a couple of, for a couple of games, a couple of events, and then poop, he disappeared. Yeah. D'Angelo Hall since he's retired. Last time I remember seeing Hall was probably the Battle of Bristol. Was he there for the Clemson game? He might have been. But well, yeah, I, I can't remember if I saw him on the field or not. There were a lot of guys, I and it just got really whole, crowded. The fact that there's what a hundred, at least a hundred living players from that '99 team, seventeen showed up. Yeah, that was pretty sad. I was Ray. I, I didn't even stay on the field for halftime to take. I was going to take pictures, and and I only saw seventeen guys. I counted. With their families, and I'm like, oh my god, there's only 17. There's 17. only they only that's pathetic. You want tech to do things for you, and they say, okay, let's let's put the 99 team, let's, let's put their face on this game, let's have this game for this team. We're gonna give them dinner. We're gonna have them a place to, to enjoy the game with the families. This is your night, and 17 out of at least a hundred living players from that roster. Please shut up talking about tech doesn't do this and doesn't do that. You're ungrateful. And that's going to be the issue. Nobody from Alabama waits for them to beg for them to come back. They no, just they're, they're standing in line. They, they just show up. Well, and Guys I'm at sure, just show up. Guys at Miami just show up. I, I think that there's – and, Ray, there's probably some middle line that's between what you're saying and what the, what oh, the, well, what the actual reality it is. Of course there is, but I don't think they realize you have the chance to make that first step. Whit Babcock can only do so much. Justin Fuente can only do so much. And it's not only Fuente to make former players feel feel at home and feel like they want to come back. He's the head coach. He's got 85 players every game he has to worry about. He's got about 30 more that's either red shirts or scout team players he's got to worry about. He's got nine to ten assistant coaches, a recruiting staff, and his own damn family to worry about. You really think he should be the one to reach out to every single one of the former players? Well, I mean, that theoretically should be on. No, it's not. I'm talking the recruiting staff in theory. I hate, I hate to, I hate to interrupt a role because it's a good role and it's a good way to end this this particular show. But right now, what we got to do is we're about to run out of time on this uh, on this recording. And I'd like to thank you guys. You, this was a really wonderful thing. Uh, it was a, it was really a help. 
uh, for uh, Hokie Nation to hear the truth come out of something and hear some facts come out and also get some hope and 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 see maybe maybe a couple of players will pick up on this. Maybe the chain will start to wake up and maybe maybe we'll see a few more guys on the field so I could take their picture and they can sign some autographs and they can they can schmooze with some of these recruits even though even though they're not supposed to recruit them being on the sideline and and posing for selfies with 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 recruits is not illegal. So, you know, that kind of thing can be a good thing. So let's uh, let's leave it at that for right now. We'll pick it up at another show at, at, in, in the near future. And uh, thanks, guys. I really appreciate your participation. And we always wrap up the podcast with a big, hearty go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.